Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts, Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing innovations in the textile industry. When you think of bananas, coffee, pineapple, lotus and hemp, what do you think of? Where some may think of their next grocery shop, it's in fact a list of natural resources that can be turned into sustainable textiles. As the world's natural resources become scarce, the need for the sustainable alternatives to the fashion faves like acrylic, polyester, nylon and spandex, which are petroleum-based fibres, has become greater than ever. So the new format is that we each bring an article. We try to kind of clue ourselves up on everything to do with that topic and educate the other person. So this week it's my turn and we're talking about sustainable textile innovations and the different things that are out there because we all know that traditional fashion textiles are really harmful. They use a lot of water, they use a lot of natural resources and we need to look at alternatives to aid sustainability further so that it's not just existing things being used and upcycling it's just if people are going to be creating new items they need to be looking at innovative ways that we can lower our impact on the environment Mm -hmm. so I'm very I don't know why but I feel like a teacher today (laughs) yeah I love it I'm really into it (laughs) teach Um, me the article is from Fashion United and we will put it in the show notes so Mm -hmm. if anybody wants to read they can also read along So we're going to be talking about a couple of alternatives to cotton and leather and then just other random bits in between. So, Charlotte. Yes, Bianca? Do you know of any kind of alternatives before we start? Yeah, because I have... Yeah, I'm actually an expert. (laughs) No, but I've been to the Bean London studio Mm -hmm. and they have shown me all these like incredible materials that they've made from other random things, fruit and vegetables signs from the olympics crazy stuff also when we went wedding dress shopping last week and that dress was made from like orange something Can't remember orange, what was it, was it was it orange peels yeah it yeah, would make it sense if peels, it was orange yeah. peels and i was like what it was like a silk material but it was made from oranges and we were like oh my god that's so cool yeah we um, did both have a slight yeah. moment they <laughs> were like oh my god this is amazing podcast <laughs> but um yeah so i'm very aware that this is something that's happening, Mm -hmm. but I don't know too much about how it happens and what's going on. Okay. So on the actual article itself, it talks about 10 sustainable textile innovations everybody should know. And the top one, I believe, that I think is the most important are alternatives to like cotton. Mm -hmm. So cotton, as much as it is a natural fibre, it's quite labour intensive. It uses a lot of water. The production is quite impactful. So as the fashion industry is innovating, I think one of the best things to look at are innovations in that specific textile Mm. and changing, first of all, how cotton is made and then looking at other alternatives that are less labour intensive. So three of the ones that they mention here are hemp, lotus and nettles. So we'll go through each of them and why they're better. So for hemp, it's got antibacterial purposes and it uses less water to produce. Mm -hmm. Nettles, I think, are a weird one for me. I don't know how I feel about stinging nettle clothes. Um, it's giving me allergies. Yeah, I was a little bit like, when I, when I read it, I was like, mm, I don't know if I like this if so it works, much. it works. It's supposed to have a really, really luxurious feel, and it's quite mm. a versatile fabric, though. So, Do we know any brands that are using? Not that I know of, I've but I, will, I can definitely find that out, yeah. because I think it's really interesting to think that that's 
that's a very different kind of fabric or textile to use. Yeah. And who would have ever thought, oh, do you know what? This thing that you're told to avoid as a child when you're in the park. Yeah. We can use that to make clothes. But also it's so widely available in the UK. Yeah. So this could be like our new manufacturing. Exactly, new export for the yeah. country. <laughs> I'm going to read a little excerpt from the actual article. So. Okay. Stinging nettle fibres are extremely versatile and keep the wearer of nettle clothing cool in the summer and warm in the winter. Mm. So unlike hemp, there's no legal issue with it or the cultivation of it either because that is a bit of an issue with hemp clothing. There's always that little bit of legality associated with it. So going back to lotus, lotus fibres are really, really hardworking, apparently. Very, very luxurious and very Mm. versatile. So lotus fibres have been used for rare fabrics for centuries as the time-consuming process produces a luxurious fabric that feels like a combination of silk and raw linen. Can I just confirm, lotus is like the lotus flower, yeah. right? Not like a lotus. No, oh, that's a locust. Oh my God, I was like, this doesn't seem very eco-friendly because it's a, it's a bug. That's okay. not vegan, babes. Yeah, yeah. Vegan. Okay. <laughs> Ignore me. Yeah, I think it's wonderful to be able to get something that is less impactful and using a plant-based fibre over something like silk, which we know is, well, the production of silks really makes me sad with the worms and all, I don't know. <laughs> it does, it's just, I just think to myself, the amount of silkworms that you need, I don't know the exact figure, but it's ridiculous for what you need to produce one garment. It's also really inefficient. Yeah. Like how fair, as an example, you need like a bajillion minks to like make a tiny coat like a half coat a gilet. <laughs> and then like seventy thousand foxes to do whatever and it's just like why don't we just not do that i've got this jacket that jackie this mm. brand i know it's like quite a controversial topic in the sustainability world because it's made from plastic bottles but these jackets are wicked basically the woman makes fur coats and fur jackets from recycled plastic bottles mm. and the fur is so beautiful you would so, i've so been stopped soft. on the street you would not know that it's not real and it's just like, do that. It's just so much more efficient. Do you know what it, was give, time. what it was giving me when you were talking about it just now? I was thinking of like 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, I was it's thinking giving me Cruella to It's giving me Cruella. <laughs> it's giving me Cruella to build vibes. Yeah, a couple of other alternatives. So let's move on to leather. Mm. There are a couple here that I think in the article, I knew about them, but after reading, I thought to myself, these are really cool. There's really, really cool things going on. So leather, we all know it comes from animal hides and there's a question there about the veganism and everything else that goes along with it. So they're looking at alternatives and two of the bigger ones, well, there's three big ones actually, are apples, pineapples and mushrooms, which I think are really, really apples, cool. Apples, pineapples. Pineapples I've heard of. Pinatex. Oh, okay. Yep. That's the most well-known like pineapple oh, I didn't leather. Know that. I didn't know the oh, brand. Know? Oh, see, there's a whole brand there. Okay. So they, what they do is they use the pineapple leaves mm. and use that to then make the leather. cool like air quotes leather it's amazing there are bags made from like apple waste or like secondary waste from Mm. when they're making juice so i think where apples are juiced you can then use the pulp in some kind of form to press and then make leather that you can use for like really durable accessories i think that's a really cool innovation yeah and then the mushroom leather i've seen some things over the past maybe year where mushroom leather there's some issues with it where they're thinking that it's not as durable as Pinatex and that it doesn't last as long in terms of just general wear and tear. But I still think it's a really great innovation. So mushroom leather is an organic, gluten-free and chemical-free fibre and it has a marbled, velvety surface and also has a really highly absorbing nature and it has antibacterial properties. 
Mushrooms are really having a moment right now. Yeah, mushrooms are having a moment. <laughs> Magic mushrooms, mushroom oil, mushrooms in your food, miracle mushrooms, bags. Yeah, you can use it to make everything. I would like to explore this because I just think it's just yeah. so cool. We went shopping mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Remember when we went to Bista and our friend Leslie, we were talking about fur and our friend Leslie said to us, but do you wear fur? And we were like, no. And then she said, do you wear leather? And we were like... Yeah. And then it was one of those moments where we sat there and we were like, hmm. but to note, neither of us are vegetarian. Yeah. We both eat meat. So there is a bit of a standards issue yeah. here. Yeah. I got, no, I get This what is you something mean. to explore. You feel almost as somebody who's trying to not actively consume animal products in terms of fashion. Yeah. You feel almost like it's hypocritical. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm eating them. Yeah, exactly. Because you're eating, there's some sort of double standard there. Mm. And I feel sometimes like, I will be honest and say that I used to love fur. I've never bought any new fur. These yeah. have all been hand-me-downs from like my mum. Your mum is a fancy lady. She is a fancy lady. Mm. Now, I can't wear those items. And I've got two beautiful faux fur coats that are vintage from an aunt. She bought them in like the 1960s. At faux fur? Yeah. I've got two gorgeous faux Whoa. fur ones. They're stunning. People think that it's real because it's so big and so luxurious. Oh like, no, no, it's fake. So a couple of other things that are used for making new textiles is coffee grounds and bananas as well. I won't go into those because I think there's enough there that we were talking yeah. about other things. There's two here that I think would be great for sea alternatives if we don't want to use plant-based stuff. So you've got kelp, which I guess is a plant still, mm. but it's from the sea. And then squid genes. I didn't look into that too squid much. Genes? <laughs> yeah. As in... Genes from a squid. A genetic <laughs> yeah. makeup of a, Okay, not yeah. like denim. No, not, not, like, not squid genes. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one really, really cool natural cellulose-based fibre that I think we should talk about, and it's called Capoc. And it's found in the dried fruit of the Capoc tree, and it's one of the most sustainable fibres in the market today. Mm. So I thought it was really worth mentioning it because it's a great alternative. It's super soft. It's like a, a silky finish, okay. and it's dry to the touch. It's not one of those fabrics like... I think sometimes with mushroom leather, when you touch it, it feels, it's not wet. It's my least favourite word, like damp. It's moist. It's damp and moist. It feels a bit, it feels a bit moist. Ugh, sorry, the word is so gross. So capoc, sorry, is dry to the touch, which I think is nice, especially for clothing. Yeah. You don't want to feel like when you put certain fabrics on that it feels a little bit clammy don't want to be clammy no it's got anti-moth and anti-mite properties within it as well which is quite cool and and it's insulating so it's comparable to what you would get in a traditional down oh so i think it's an amazing innovation i would like to explore that further yeah before we move on to the next section let's just round off on that do you feel like you've learned more about new fibers new fabrics yeah i didn't know mushroom fibers were a thing this nettle thing I would like to explore further because I have so many questions. <laughs> so we're going to take that offline. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so if, if you see stuff on our socials to do with Capoc and nettles, you know that we've gone in, like done a proper yeah. deep dive on this stuff. I also want to just feel some products. <laughs> yeah. I want to feel some products. <laughs> but I want to like touch them. I want to get an understanding of that moist mushroom and Can we not the dry say? Capoc and like feel the difference. <laughs> Can she we hates that word, by the way. Every time I've ever said it in our relationship. <laughs> I thought she was going yes, to nice. combust. So, yes, the 10 sustainable textile innovations everyone should know is a Fashion United article, and I will be popping it in the show notes for you to Amazing. read later. Mm-hmm. 
Moving on, we're going to listen to a quick comment from one of our experts. If you've listened for a long time, you will probably know that we've had Harriet Sayward Belisario on the podcast before, and we did a live episode from the Circular Block Party as well. So she's going to be commenting now on the innovations in the textile industry. About 10 years ago, recycled and organic fabrics really did look quite recycled and organic. They looked quite raw. They weren't necessarily something that you'd want to use for modern day fashion. They weren't particularly clean. But that technology has really changed and mills are creating some really beautiful recycled fabrics, for example. I work with a mill in Italy and they have a beautiful clean, modern, recycled cotton. They actually use 50% recycled yarn and then 50% virgin. And the use of the virgin yarn that actually helps them to get a much cleaner product. But this particular cotton is Supima cotton, which is a branded cotton, and that's grown in the US. And it's a small collective of about 500 US family-run farms in the California area of the US. And Supima farmers use satellite technology to monitor and promote soil health. So they're using things like flood and drip irrigation to water the crop as well. Depending on the health of the soil, they can actually understand exactly what the plant needs. And it's through these methods that they reduce water usage significantly because they can understand exactly what and how the crop needs in terms of its water or its nutrients. And along with this, they're also fostering wildlife and biodiversity, which is brilliant as well because it also creates a much healthier crop. And another mill as well that I'm working with in Portugal, they're doing a fantastic job of actually developing their own recycled tent cells. So recycled tent cells are not something you see frequently. I don't think many mills are working on this as a material at the moment, but it is something that's coming. And tent cell is really quite a sustainable fibre, especially with the use of well-managed forests and sustainable forestry. But actually, if we can use recycled content from factory floor waste at the moment, which is what they're using, but even once we can get to the stage of using post-consumer as well, that would be brilliant. So I think this is something that we're going to see more and more, actually seeing these recycled, sustainable fibres recycled again and reused. And along with that, they have their own water treatment facility, which is brilliant because they're actually cleansing and recycling all the water and reusing that for production. So things like this, hopefully more and more mills are going to get on board with because the production process of the fabric really uses quite a lot of energy, water, and as much as we can reduce this, that will just make the whole process and supply chain much, much cleaner. That is really interesting. I've got two points Mm -hmm. that I've picked up from that. So firstly... Tencel is a relatively new fibre. So the fact that they are already recycling it is really, really exciting because something that we tend to do as humans is use everything, like this is why you know we're in the climate crisis, use everything up until we have no more and then we make a solution. A reactionary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas this is we're like already recycling and changing up our processes with newer fibers so that's really cool yeah definitely my second point was just along the lines of at the end of the comments she talked about how they have their own like water system 
and saving energy and all that kind of stuff. And that's really exciting because fashion is what the second most polluting industry industry in the world. In the world. So getting people on board to just fix up their shit is just really exciting. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> I'm glad that she mentioned Tencel because it was something that I did want to talk about or for us to talk about. So I'm glad that that's been handled. Mm. But um, the part about water was a huge, huge thing for me. And then that kind of regeneration side takes me back to the episode that we did with Bombic Silk last season Mm. and where we were talking about regenerative farming, which, as you know, for me, I think it's really interesting because I think that idea of regenerating before we get to the point where, oh, crap, we've run out of everything and now we've got to look at ways of changing things and making things better. If you start early, you can get the regeneration process getting like started much earlier and it means that you won't have as much waste and you're not depleting natural resources. So that, for me, I was just like... Yeah. Happy bunny, happy bunny. It's exciting. Talking about water, I actually had a couple of stats that I wanted to raise. Oh, So I'm glad that Harriet spoke about water because it's one of the biggest issues in the fashion industry. Mm. Take away, like, the carbon aspect and the use of natural resources. It's just the water. The water is a lot. Um, It's estimated that the fashion industry currently uses around 93 billion cubic metres of water per year, which is 4% of all freshwater extraction globally. Oh, wow. For clothes. Just for clothes. Just clothes. Wow. But yeah. I know a few people who are using majority of that 93 billion cubic cubic metres. That's a lot of water. That's a lot. That's just the production, as far as, as what it says, the fashion industry. I'm thinking that's more so the production than mm. it is anything else. You can't then factor on the people that are dry cleaning, the impact yeah. from that, and then the washing aspect and the electricity that then comes from having to wash things. And it's just like, it's all just too much. And put it into perspective to think about certain countries who have no water, who are having to figure out solutions to get water into their towns, villages, whatever. And we're here wearing new clothes every day, mm. which we got from polluting fashion industry. Oh, the world doesn't make any sense. So thank you so much to Harriet for sending in that comment on the innovations in the textile industry. It's really exciting to see what's coming and to see the innovations that will be applied to businesses like Saywood. Yeah, amazing. And we love you, Harriet. It's always great to have you back on. Okay, so now, going back to the beginning of the podcast where we were talking about different fibres, fabrics and all those exciting things, we're going to talk to someone who I find very interesting because she has a really interesting background and we'll we'll go into that when we talk to her. But Jenny Maneva, she's the founder of Bean London and they create just beautiful handbags. I met them last year at a breakfast to celebrate the launch of a handbag that they had co-created with Candice Brathwaite, who is an author, influencer, and just just internet sensation. I meant to that. <laughs> We're kind of <laughs> obsessed with her. I then followed on, went to their studio and had a look at some of their bags, well, actually all of their bags, and was just taken aback. They are super high-end, beautiful, stunning designs, and they're all made of really interesting and exciting materials. And that's how I knew about pineapple leather and things like that, because I'd seen it at their studio. But yeah, let's get into conversation with Jenia and talk about basically what they're making their bags out of, because some of these things are going to blow your mind. So Jenia, thank you so much for joining us today on Sustainably Influenced. Oh. Thanks so much for having me. Your story is really interesting. And I've actually been 
a little bit obsessed with it and you since I met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit weird. You have a very different background to what you're doing now. And I just loved the journey. Talk us through where you started. And then I want to know what you're doing now. But what was the link of getting there? Because that's like the interesting part as well. Yeah. So I spent most of my career as a journalist. I was working for the BBC, writing about things like Iranian nuclear deal or elections in France. Then moved into NGO communications. I mean, that's a very natural career progression, really, kind of into campaigning. Ended up working with the UN on the Global Goals campaign and at change.org, looking after their European campaigns and comps. Anyways, kind of journalism to campaigning. That's very straightforward. And I had an amazing career, you know, as a trustee at a few charities. Like, it's been great. (laughs) Your CV is very impressive. Ah, it was kind of always very impact-oriented. And I think that all those transitions were searching for more impact, kind of how can you have more impact not just doing the storytelling, but actually doing some stuff. And then I watched a film about waste. It was a documentary about all the waste we're creating. And I remember at the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm clearly part of the problem. Maybe I can do something. So I started researching recycling, waste, circular economy, anything. Like basically what happens to stuff? What happens to materials? What is... Mm our stuff made from and what are the stories behind things like what happens with materials how do they circulate and it's not a secret that we throw away 99% of everything we buy within six months what and, is that yeah. an actual stat yeah that's an actual stat it includes the food waste the packaging, yeah and the uh, you know so my thinking was okay having spoken to a lot of recycling facilities who told me we could recycle more but we need someone to buy those materials from us for it to make business case my logic was okay I'm going to be that person very naively I thought if I make something cool out of it maybe maybe I can change this a little bit I can have a small contribution to the issue of of waste so Fast forward, I think, six months, I had a million different recycled materials in my house in Hackney, (laughs) to my husband's delight. (laughs) I started a degree in sustainability at Cambridge. Everything was happening at night. I had a full-time job and two kids uh, and doing this on the side. And then what is now being London was born really so the idea is very simple we make products accessories so handbags backpacks weekender bags little crossbodies and wallets entirely from materials that would otherwise end up in landfill so everything not just a little detail a zip or you know a lining the entire product is made from recycled materials the logic is that, okay, it's it's diverting waste from landfill and we measure it very, very carefully. So we've so far diverted 1.6 tonnes of materials from, we've rescued all of that from going thrown away. The logic was also, okay, maybe a cool everyday bag in a bright colour, maybe we'll spark a conversation about this issue. And the data behind it, and we've measured every move we make, did a life cycle analysis. And the cool thing about this approach is that the products actually have a fraction of the carbon footprint compared to high street. So 87% to be precise is the difference. Oh, wow. We compared our bag and 
a high street equivalent of the same design, but just made from virgin materials. And the difference was 87%. It wasn't just due to the materials. Also, transportation. I mean, we we shape everything by sea, which takes forever. It was due to pattern cutting. We only cut square and rectangular patterns. So we kind of think about it in the design process. Big and small decisions come together to create this very, very low carbon footprint product. Uh, and it's also made in East London, which makes its very local manufacturing. It's, yeah. it's just uh, four women. I love that. Your studio is so cool. Oh, thanks. I'm so happy you stopped by. It's a nice space. It's a, it's, a, it's a lovely space. I'm so happy we can have an actual studio now. Yeah. For a long time, it was just me at my dining table. <laughs> dining table most of the time. Oh gosh. <laughs> and talk me through the materials, because this is something that I was like really shocked at, because I'd heard of like, yeah, you know, recycled materials before, obviously, we all have. But then some of the materials you were showing me when I was in the studio, I was like, what <laughs> you had like lots of fruit and veg and you also had things like racetrack yes <laughs> crazy stuff that people have just given you and they're like do something with this how does that work yeah I know it's hilarious isn't it but I love those stories behind materials and I think it's the ex-journalist in me that is fascinated by the story of where the stuff comes from so I really love the recycled felt that we work with so we put it inside our laptop cases to pad them or use it as structural parts of our backpacks. You can't even see it in the backpack, but it's inside. And uh, it's made from corporate uniforms. So when IKEA, KLM and a bunch of other Dutch companies are done with their corporate uniforms, they get discarded, processed by this really cool social enterprise in Utrecht. They turn them kind of into fibres and turn it into felt, which we then use for our products and I just love the fact that it used to be that it once had this completely different life and the same with so for lining of most of our bags at the moment we use recycled cotton it's such a beautiful material you would never tell it's recycled it just looks like super premium thick Mm. gorgeous cotton this one comes from Italy and the way it's made is all the clothes that are beyond repair and beyond reuse, something that you can't fix goes into yeah. a place in Italy where it gets separated by colour. So for our collaboration with Amelia Windsor, we have pink lining made from recycled cotton. So it's lots of pink clothes, fibrized and then rewoven into this recycled cotton for our main collection. It's either black or dark blue. So it's lots of clothes cleaned, processed, and turned into this beautiful material. I mean, you would never, looking at our bags, you would never tell that stuff is recycled. That's so interesting because we're hearing so many stories now. Well, basically, it's being uncovered. It's always been happening about textiles being just, like, shipped off to countries, piled up, being sold or just being dumped. So this is really exciting because they're being used. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. But with clothes, recycling and reselling, our approach is quite simple. Reuse is always better than recycling. Repairs and reuse should always come first. So things that can be worn or repaired, I mean, there's no sense in them being sent to this recycling facility. So reselling them makes sense. It's just it's a matter of where and what happens to it. So that's that's completely separate conversation. But we see ourselves as the guys that it's kind of the last resort, Okay. If no one else picked it up, repaired it, 
always wearing it again. Okay, we'll be the guys who pick up what's left over, process it and turn it into a new product. I love that. Are there many other companies that are doing that? Yes and no. I think there's some great companies working in this space, like great companies doing this. Not exactly what we're doing. Probably the closest to what we do would be an awesome brand called Elvis and Cressy. They're a British brand and they turn used fire hoses into accessories. Really cool company, really beautiful product, very different aesthetic from ours, but they're doing something similar. Whereas we work with recycled materials, they work with this particular waste stream and focus focus on that. That's really cool. And what would you say is your most, in your opinion, the most exciting material or fibre that you have used so far? Oh, so many, so many, so many. Okay, there are two that I'm excited <laughs> about at the moment, okay? One is we're working with a partner. So there's this really cool leather alternative that is home compostable. And that completely blows my mind because like, I've been looking for something like this, for material like this for the three years uh, since I started the company. Because the problem with leather alternatives, and I don't just mean all the nasty stuff like PU and PVC that is often called vegan leather, but a lot of the vegan leathers is that it is a composite material, right? It has a couple of layers at least, and then it's to recycle it at the end of life you have to send it back to the factory which is what we do but it's it's a tricky process right you, you have to have the infrastructure to dispose of it at the end of life so I've been at every conference everywhere I speak I'm like someone has to come up with a material that doesn't need that like a simple material that doesn't have any plastic coating any PU coating that is just and then a friend introduces me to her colleague from Google who came up with this material I mean they're wildly successful this startup called Biophilica, and they developed a leather alternative made from leaves and twigs, basically agricultural waste. Oh, my God. I mean, the samples that we have in the studio are made from Fulham Park leaves <laughs> that she herself and her colleagues have collected. Anyways, it looks great, and we've made a couple of products from it, and it's home compostable. So what it means, it doesn't need a specific environment to biodegrade. You just put it in your compost. And then it leaves no trace after roughly nine months, I think. It just turns into soil, which I think is so beautiful. This post-waste thinking when the products that we make don't leave any trace and just basically turn into, just like nature. Yeah. It's nature, which I think is really awesome. And the second thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that um, we're being approached by big companies, some brands I'm not yet allowed to name, to rethink what they could be doing with their waste, with their offcuts, with their dead stock, and kind of think together with them about new products that can be designed. How can we design waste out of their systems, basically? And I find this really exciting. So it's not the materials that we used to work with, which are recycled materials that come on a roll. This is much more of a challenge because they're either tiny offcuts or hides that are left sitting in the in the workshops of very big luxury brands or materials like advertising banners. So yeah, lots of fun stuff happening and I'm very excited to become a partner in crime for those big brands and help them with their value chain. 
it's quite funny because I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> and you're being very good at keeping this a secret. <laughs> but yeah, you've got some very exciting things in the in the pipeline and I'm excited to to share and to support. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you've opened my mind and hopefully loads more. Thank you so much, Jenya, for coming onto the podcast. We absolutely loved having you. And again, you are so exciting and interesting. So that was fantastic. Yeah, it was. That was brilliant. I'm kind of blown away by how they're creating their incredible products. And I can't wait to see more, in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, I just want to touch on a couple of different things. But a couple of other innovations are not just in the actual textiles themselves, but it's the production side. Mm. So we're seeing a lot more in terms of like 3D printing. Yeah. Because it's it eliminates like human error and things going to waste because they're being made perfectly. RFID stuff, which is like the technology for reading and transferring data. So there's the kind of design that including RFID tags on things so you can find out all the information about the production of something, which is quite cool. And it reminds me of that stuff that we had when we spoke to She Pink and how there's a little mm, tag on everything and you, yeah. can, you can tie back the garment to the exact location, the exact sheep yeah. that your wool came from to make your jumper and the maker. So I think mine was made by Paula. I want to say. Aww. Typical you and I will only say the name Paula in the most Mediterranean way. <laughs> Paula. <laughs> can only, can only say it like that. Paula. <laughs> so there's that. And then, of course, there's things like digital fashion, mm. which, again, we spoke about with... <laughs> what haven't we spoken about? <laughs> we spoke about everything with <laughs> Professor Stephen Wright from University of South Wales. Yeah, that was wicked. I love that, that episode. That was such a good episode. <laughs> I need to listen to that back, actually. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. And I think... For me, there was a lot of things that I didn't know about. Mm. So talking through the whole aspect of digital fashion, there was a lot that we had to cut out because <laughs> I was sitting there asking him just side yeah. note questions. I was like, so what about this? So so what about this? And I was like, babe, I've got a okay. Like, can we just like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just so interesting. The other kind of thing that we need to talk about is robotics in the fashion industry. So there's... What? Yes, they're starting to bring in automation into a lot of factories and robotics. Mm. Kind of, I don't know if I think it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. If I'm honest, I do think people need to get paid. But Where are they doing this? Is it specific countries? Or is it no, it's just at the moment it's a lot of talk and I think they're putting it into a lot of the larger factories in Vietnam and China. It's looking mm. to become a thing. So it's eliminating the need for people, yeah. which is terrible. But in terms of streamlining the process and... I don't know how I feel about yeah. that because, you know, when it comes to sustainability, for me, it's all about people. people. Yeah. And there are so many countries that are reliant on industry, mm -hmm. on, tech, on the textile industry specifically. And it, if we're getting rid of all of their jobs, what are they going to do? No, that's true. But yeah, it's an innovation. And I think it kind of leads us nicely into our next segment because we don't know how sustainable that innovation particularly mm. is but what we're going to be doing so if you are a long-term listener of sustainably influenced you will know that in season one we used to get set a weekly challenge by our guests we're going to be introducing something called the sustainably influenced sustainability score So the whole thing is it's going to be an interactive ranking game. So we'll be answering how sustainable an actual solution is. So we'll put a load of polls and questions on our Instagram stories and possibly TikTok as well. Yep. Go to our Instagram. We're going to save it as a highlight. So yeah. you'll be able to 
kind of interact with it for longer. TikTok's new to me, so I'm not sure how it works, to be completely honest. I just watch <laughs> videos on there. <laughs> it's just there for funny videos and dance challenges for yeah. me. But that's about it. So please make sure that you are following us at Sustainably Influenced to take part and get involved. So that's it for the first episode. Ooh, that was scary. I'm glad it's done. It was a new format. It it freaked me out a little bit. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the new season of Sustainably Influenced and we will catch you next week. Woo! Bye. Bye. Bye.